This is the Decision Masters Podcast. I'm Kirsten Parker, the decision coach for overthinkers. When you feel good about your decisions, life feels good. You get to be present in your days and excited about where you're going. I'm going to help you build your decision mastery so it's easy to know what you want, navigate uncertainty, and handle any feelings that happen. Whether you're in the middle of some overthinking angst right now, or you simply love feeling in charge of your choices, you're in the right place. Clear, confident decisions are right around the corner. Let's get into it. Oh my gosh. Hi, friend. How are you doing? Are you ready to have the funnest conversation about fear that you've ever had? Uh, yeah. And we have to talk about it because fear interrupts decision-making, I don't know, like 99.9% of the time. It's something we have to talk about if we are going to keep mastering powerful, authentic, self-honoring decisions, which we are, you're doing a great job. But let's talk about fear because overcoming fear sounds so powerful, right? Conquering fear sounds so, mm, like put me on the top of a mountain, put it on Instagram. I'm fearless. Sounds very desirable, right? Sounds easier and more comfortable than living inside fear. And there is often this assumption that those are the options. It's like conquer fear on top of a mountain. It's like that girl, but she's backlit. So it's just kind of a shadow. And she's like looking out in the distance. We've conquered fear. Or (laughs) you can live inside fear, walk around your life just in a big fear fog, just kind of like pig pen. Wherever you go, it's like fear follows you and you feel weak and you make inauthentic choices. And those aren't our only options, my friend. I'm not telling you to not climb mountains, climb all the mountains. And I'm not saying that fear doesn't drive inauthentic choices that we don't like. Fear can F up a lot of our decisions, but it's not actually the fear causing the problem. It's our relationship with it. Hmm, interesting. Because I want you to think about this. Fear-based decisions sound bad. Enlightened, successful people shouldn't make fear-based decisions. Except fear-based decisions lead us out of conversations with creepy people and keep us away from dark alleys and prevent us from throwing all our money into scams. Fear is useful. Fear has kept us alive our entire lives. Fear has kept our species alive, its entire existence, right? So today I want to take back fear. I want to get so much more discerning with what a fear-based decision is, air quotes, so we can get super clear on which decisions do we not want to make because they're inauthentic or self-limiting or all the things that are not going to help us thrive and become who we want to be. But how can we do that without throwing fear out the window because we want to stay out of the dark alleys. We need fear and we need to be able to trust fear-based decisions when they serve us. Okay. I want to empower you to have a fan-freaking-tastic relationship with fear. And to do that, you don't need to overcome it. You don't need to conquer it. You don't need to do any kind of aggressive verb to it. What you need to do is become fluent in it. This is what we're all doing inside the DMP right now, and it is so much fun. We're all becoming fluent in fear. Why is it so much fun? Because when you can have a conscious, constructive conversation with yourself about your fears, you're golden. You're set. When you can't have that conversation with yourself, this is what happens. You push yourself through situations that are not truly aligned for what you want and who you want to be. 
You judge and invalidate every fear you have as irrational, outdated, immature, right? Are you talking to yourself this way right now? That's okay, but you don't have to. And you also end up avoiding things you really want to do because you're not having that direct, honest communication with yourself about your fear. All these problems go away when you are fluent in your fears. And I'm going to make it super simple. And then we're going to look at an example or two because I really want you to know how you're going to use what we're talking about today in your real human life. So there are four questions you're going to ask in order to work your way through this conversation, work your way through a fear. And you know me, I love a visual. So I've created a downloadable for you to make this so clear and easy. Just go to kirstenparker.com forward slash 16, get your downloadable worksheet and you can fill it out like every time you want to work through a fear until these questions become a habit. So good. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to consider or make a decision and then fear is going to come up. Remember last episode where we talked about you got to put surprises and failures and feelings into your plan. We just have to count on these things happening. Fear is included in that. As long as it's in the plan, it's not a problem. And hello, what does making a decision feel like? Mm, Vulnerable? Risky? What do vulnerability and risk incite in us? Fear. Normal human biology, okay? Not a problem. So we're going to put this into our decision-making plan. I'm going to want to do something, and I'm going to probably feel one to many fears about it, okay? So when that inevitably happens, you're going to name the fear. Don't skip this part. And then you're going to ask these four questions. Number one, what is the likelihood of this happening? Number two, do I think I could survive it happening? Number three, how would I move forward if it did happen? And number four, do I need to do anything today to minimize the chances of it happening? Fun, right? Okay, so I'm going to give you a really personal example from my own raw, vulnerable brain. And then I'm going to share a client story too of how we can use these four fear questions to have this honest, super useful dialogue with ourselves. So we here at Kirsten Parker Coaching are about to open the final round of the Decision Masters program for 2022. We run from October 24th to January 24th, right through the end of this year and solidly into the next one. It's a time of year that people can feel overstretched, overpressured by other people's expectations, unclear on what they actually want to be doing and putting energy into. People can operate on habit and then beat themselves up for not acting in accordance with their real goals and values. You're like, oh, why did I do that? I do that every year. I say I don't want to, and then I do it again, blah, 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 lots of judgment. People can also really desire big things, big change. But there can also be this kind of end of school year vibe that makes them worry, well, is there time for this? Do I have the energy? Is this really going to happen? Should I just give up early? I don't even know. So I am jazzed for the timing of this program. I am so excited to open up a space for the people who want coaching through that time, who want to honor all those intentions, who don't want to put unnecessary pressure on themselves to figure it out alone. So P.S. Also, if that's what you want, we're opening the door soon. So you got to go to kirstenparker.com forward slash DMP and get on the wait list because the wait list gets first dibs. And even though the program doesn't start till the end of October, you get to start coaching right when you sign up, which basically means you get like two months of coaching for free, which is just so much fun. So go get on that wait list, kirstenparker.com forward slash DMP. 
So I am super clear on what I want to do, why I want to do it. We all get into this mode, right, where we can see the thing that we want, but then as soon as we go to make a decision, what happens? Fear. So I made all these decisions about, yep, I love the timing of this program. I love this structure that I'm deciding on. And then my brain started chiming in with all of these concerns. What if this isn't a good time? What if nobody wants to do it then? What if it's the exact wrong time? What if there's a better time? Oh my gosh. Shouldn't we double check and second guess all these things? Shouldn't we be afraid? Now I could have simply sat in that fear and drove my husband nuts by recycling stress about it. I could have made a bunch of decisions about what to do from that uninvestigated fear. I could have also tried to flat out ignore it and be like, I'm not supposed to be afraid. I'm supposed to be like professional, confident business person. And there's no room for fear here. Just keep on selling. Bop, bop, bop. I'm doing robot arms, but you can't see me. Could have done all those things. Instead, I took my own medicine because I don't teach you anything that I don't use myself. And I went through the fear questions. All right. First, I had to name the specific fear. This is one of the ways that we let fear take up too much room in our lives because we keep it super vague. And the vaguer a problem is, the more intimidating it is. So I named the specific fear. And it was literally like a conversation with myself. Hey, Parker, what are you afraid of? And my answer was, no one's going to buy it. Breathe. All right. Your instinct after you name your specific fear is likely going to be judgment or invalidation of some kind. And that is not what we are doing here, okay? So I want you to be unfiltered and honest in whatever comes up when you ask yourself, what are you afraid of? I'm afraid no one's going to buy this thing that I want to sell. Okay, take a breath. Then we go through the questions, okay? Number one, how likely is it that this is going to happen? Be objective. I know you're going to want to logic and reason your way through like, man, you shouldn't be afraid of this, but really put your science goggles on. How likely is this consequence or result or worst case scenario that you're afraid of? How likely do you think it is to happen? When I was going through my questions, I was like, okay, how likely is it that no one on the planet will buy a ticket to the Decision Masters program? It's not likely. The program sells out every time I sell it. People join and rejoin. People always refer friends. It's not objectively likely that zero people will buy it. So we check in with our facts, even though it feels like we're kind of guessing, kind of making things up, be as objective as possible, and then move on to the next question, okay? Could I survive if it did happen? Now, this is not an eye-rolly question. You have to check in honestly with, do I think I could emotionally, physically, financially, energetically survive this thing if it happened, okay? A lot of the time, the answer to this question is yes, I could survive it. But you want to make some space to be able to be honest with yourself. Because if you truly don't feel up to something, If you don't feel like it's worth it to you to take the risk of whatever damage you think this outcome might do, that is really good information for you to know right now. It's also really good information to know if you do think you could survive it. My answer was yes. If nobody bought this thing that I was selling, it's happened before, you guys. I have experienced failure in the past. And you know what? Here I am standing. If it happened, I may think some thoughts, I may feel some feelings, but I am resilient enough to experience those things and keep going. So yes, I could survive. Good to know. Question number three, how would I move forward if it did happen? This is super interesting because when I asked myself this, the answer was very clear and very simple and very quick. 
I asked, okay, what would I do if this actually this like worst case scenario event happened? And my answer was, I just sell something else. <laughs> this always happens and it's so much fun. <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's fun for me. It's not always fun for clients, but sometimes it really is fun to actually go all the way through the fear because we stop at the fear. It's kind of like when my mom watches scary movies or like dramatic movies, she'll stop at the most dramatic scary part. Like she was watching that that movie about the dog. I can't remember. I didn't watch it, but it was like something, I don't know, some husky brings medicine to people, maybe in Alaska, I think. And my dad was making fun of her because she left the room at like the most dramatic, scary part. So she didn't know how it ended. <laughs> and I think, I mean, this is a spoiler alert. So if you know what movie I'm talking about, mute me for like 10 seconds right now. But I think in the end, the dog survives and it's fine. I think. I don't know. It's like maybe a spoiler because I don't know what the frick I'm talking about. But in her mind, she stopped the movie at the part where the, the dog was like gonna die. And we do this with our fears all the time, right? We think like, oh my gosh, it's gonna get so bad and this terrible thing is gonna happen. And then I'm gonna turn the TV off, walk out of the room, walk out of the theater. And guess what happens when you stay in the room, when you watch through that part, past that part in the movie, in your mind, when you keep playing the movie in your mind to be like, okay, well, well Nikes, that was a pickle. What did they do next? This is you watching you in your mind movie. And nine times out of 10, you're just resourceful enough to keep freaking going. This is really good information because sometimes you have a problem to solve in your mind. If your fear is about losing money or uh, finding out something doesn't work or something, there might be logistical problems that you need to deal with and solve, but it's really good for you to know that you will solve them. The movie doesn't end there. Yes, yes. Question number four, do I need to solve anything today to pre-solve this problem? Sure. Right. If there's a fear in there that like no one's going to buy this, how could that result happen? I don't know. I could like not try to sell it at all. <laughs> so absolutely there's stuff I can do today to prevent this outcome from happening. Walking myself all the way through this fear gave me a shortcut through that drama. Remember when I said here are various ways I could respond to this fear. I could drive my husband crazy and I could just recycle stress. I could play that part of the movie over and over where it's just like drama and rewind, drama and rewind. It gave me a shortcut past all the inauthentic choices I could make because sometimes when we don't investigate the fear, our biology takes over and it decides, well, the most important thing is avoiding this thing we're afraid of. So let's just make all the decisions we need to in order to avoid that fear. But for me, that would be not even attempting to sell anything, probably like for the rest of forever, right? If my biology determines, well, we cannot experience this thing we're afraid of, and I let that determine what decisions I make, those are not going to be authentic choices. So this process gave me this shortcut to resolving the fear and deciding what I wanted to do next. Let's look at another example. I had a client who wanted to leave her job and start her own business. <gasps> Knock, knock. Any fear there? Oh, tons? Okay, neat. Just checking. Sometimes with ideas or decisions like this one, many fears can come up at once. That's okay. But you know my motto, separate to simplify. So if you have a decision that you're facing and it's bringing up a ton of fears, name one fear, go through the fear questions, and then do it as many times as you need to. So in this client's example, she wanted to leave her job and start her business. A fear was, I'll fail. Super normal, super valid, but not super specific, right? 
So that's okay. If your brain offers a vague fear when you ask, what are you afraid of? Just keep asking, what does that mean? Why is that scary? Until you get a specific answer, okay? In this client's case, I'll fail actually had a lot of different separate fears baked into it. I won't make any money. Okay, can we get even more specific? I won't make any money ever. I won't make any money in the first three months and then I'll quit and I won't give myself a chance to grow the business, right? We can still get so much more specific. Another fear baked in, I won't be good at marketing or even more specifically, I won't know what to do or say to market it. That would be a really useful fear to have a conversation with. Another specific fear baked in to this like umbrella fear of all fail is my colleagues are going to think I'm quitting because I'm a failure. (sighs) Interesting. So let's investigate it. Doing one fear at a time makes things so, so simple. How likely is it that this is going to happen? My colleagues are going to think I'm quitting because I'm a failure. Well, maybe. Who knows? But if we look at the people whose opinions I actually care about, they're probably just going to be excited for me. So in their case, it's not super likely. Good to know. Could I survive if this happened? Um, Hard yes, right? <laughs> I've survived harder things than people judging me. I would survive it then. I might not even know they're thinking these thoughts, right? So I could certainly survive something I didn't even know about. That's really interesting. How would I move forward if it did happen? Really let yourself go to this scenario in your mind. If this thing happened, if you were sitting there and you got a text message from someone at your old job and they said, you know, so-and-so thinks you quit because you're a failure, what would you do? For my client, she was, she was like, well, I would just maybe feel bummed that they were wrong and I would keep going. I would just keep building my business because that's what I'm here to do. I'm not here to like keep this person happy or like correct everyone in the world's opinions about me. I don't have time for that, right? Do I need to do anything today to pre-solve this problem? This is where you find out if the fear is actionable or not. No, her answer was no. Nothing needs to be done in order to address this fear right now. These four questions are not a strategy for you to overcome or conquer fear, like we were talking about. They're really a way for you to find out what do I most want and what do I need to do next? And I want you to notice how none of them includes the questions, is this a rational fear? Does this make sense? What should I be thinking right now instead? Right? You can't keep invalidating and ignoring fears about the things you want. You have to take them seriously enough to investigate because of this valuable information. I always give clients the analogy of a kid in a roller coaster. If you were taking your little person on a ride and they really wanted to go on it, but then right before it was your turn, they got super scared, how would you react? Would you say, well, that doesn't make sense to be afraid. You shouldn't think that. You shouldn't feel this way. Would you talk to them the way you often talk to yourself when you get scared? Probably not. Would you join them in the drama? Would you get down on the ground and like look up at the roller coaster and be like, oh my God, it is terrifying. Oh my God. Like, you're right. This is so scary. We should, what should we, ah, probably not. (laughs) Or would you try to find out exactly what they were specifically afraid of so you could address it head on, so you could clear up any misunderstandings, so you could make any changes you need to, to your plan. The book you want to write the money you want to make, the business you want to grow, the boundaries you want to set. That's your roller coaster. 
You owe it to yourself to find out what you're really afraid of so that you can double down on what you're committed to, make the most authentic choices you can, and have the freaking ride of your life. What a fun analogy, right? I hope you have so much fun with this. I use these questions all the time with clients, all the time with myself, and I really hope you savor this experience of becoming fluent in your fears because they're not a problem. And the more fluent you are in them, the more easily and smoothly you'll move through those moments that still may not feel good, right? Fear is not designed to feel pleasant, so it's okay. But we can eliminate so much judgment for ourselves having fear. We can eliminate so much time wasting and energy wasting. And we can get straight to the freaking roller coasters we want to ride. <laughs> and don't forget, I made you a worksheet for this. So go to kirstenparker.com forward slash 16, download your four fear questions worksheet. And don't forget to also get on the wait list for the DMP. The Decision Masters program is going to take you right through the end of this year into the next, like I said. So if that is the space you want to be in and have support and community and change some habits, for good, strengthen your decision confidence, let go of a lot of overthinking habits. This is the place you want to be. And you got to get on the wait list so we can start coaching ASAP. Have a beautiful weekend and I'll talk to you soon. Hey, want to know the number one thing you need to kickstart your momentum right now? Um, obviously, I know. That's why I created the Momentum Quiz. Head to kirstenparker.com forward slash quiz to find out your number one momentum killer and get your personalized action plan to boost your momentum and get back on track. That's kirstenparker.com forward slash quiz. Have fun.